Hello and welcome to Walk the Cinema Podcast. Today we are joined by a guest and Pete from Middle Class Film Class. And we're going to be talking about Annihilation. Yeah. So we're here with Pete. Hey, how you Hello. doing? Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening, whoever's listening right now. <laughs> Hopefully a lot of people. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> so you can, you can tell our listeners about your show if you want. Sure. Uh, so the show's called Middle Class Film Class. If um, basically we're we're a mo- weekly movie news and review show. We release twice a week. It's about an hour long each episode. And um, every Monday it's uh, Gab and Chatter, which is just talking about this week's movie news, interesting upcoming projects we're excited about, discussion topics. Um, every once in a while we'll have some um, interesting people to interview. Uh, we've had. Um, are you guys familiar with the Greasy Strangler, the movie? No. It is, uh, it is something. It is, it's like a ultra, ultra wild, obscure B, B movie about an old man that uh, covers himself with grease and murders people. And, uh, that sounds very fun. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a great time. It, it's like Tim and Eric on crack. And, um, we got the, the guy, the actor that plays the greasy strangler, uh, Michael St. Michael to come on the show and do a, a little interview segment and stuff. So we'll, we'll get little people, people like that from here and then to uh, come on and, um, do little call-in segments and trivia and whatever is fun. And then on Wednesdays, we do one deep dive review into a movie that we choose at random between the three of us. Um, and then we, on our wheel, our random movie wheel called The Wheel of Destiny is uh, fan picks. So if you are listening and you want us to review one of your movies, you just write in, you add it to the fan list, we do your movie. So it's it's a lot of fun. And the, what makes us a little different than other shows is that we record everything essentially live to tape where we don't really edit anything, all the sound effects going live, intro music, outro music, um, segment intros and things like that, sound effects, drops, all that goes in live. And we treat it essentially like we're doing a radio show. So it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and you mentioned random movies, but this movie's not random. You picked it and you're very excited from what I can tell. Yes. I love Annihilation. <clears throat> this is, for one, it's, it's uh, Alex Garland's follow-up to Ex Machina which is mm-hmm. his first officially directed movie. He also directed uh, Dread, the um, Carl Urban movie, though he's not credited for it. Pete Travis directed Dread and uh, essentially is a director in name only. Uh, the studio took away all rights from him, Alex Garland, by all reports, including Carl Urban. Uh, he directed Dread. He also wrote that movie. And then he wrote and directed Ex Machina and adapted and wrote, or adapted and directed um uh, Annihilation from the Southern Reach series, uh, like a SCP protocol series. So this movie was one that I was excited about from the beginning because Garland is just, he's like a young, young filmmaker that is doing, I mean, he's, he's checking every box in my opinion, everything he does, it just hits just right. Um, Devs is a TV series he did on Hulu with uh, Nick Offerman and the actress that plays the uh, kind of alien clone in Annihilation. Um, really, really, really solid. But before that, um, really all he had was Ex Machina and then Dread. And he was also credited as a writer on uh, 28 Days Later. And he's supposedly the guy that came up with the idea of the fast rage zombie. So really creative guy. Um, I saw this in theaters and I dragged my girlfriend to go see it. She had no idea what it was. I really didn't know much about it. I kind of tried to stay away from trailers. Um, But we got to see it in theaters and it was just such a great mix of horror and sci-fi and existential dread and you know um almost like the undoing of a person's psyche through choices that they've made in their past 
that it it just it's one of these movies that I can come back to over and over again. And I, I bought it on Blu-ray. I played it until the point where the disc doesn't work anymore. I've lent it out to so, so many people. <laughs> so I, I upgraded it. I got it on 4K and I watched it for this uh, just in preparation. And it's like, as soon as I put the movie on, it's like revisiting with an old friend and you get all these rush of emotions and the really cool set pieces. And it's just a fantastic movie that I don't think it gets a good amount of do, but I don't think it gets enough do still. Yeah, I think that... Um... I remember watching a trailer for this months before it was set to release and it kind of died in the marketing aspect, I think, mm, because yeah. I remember seeing the, the trailer and then not hearing a word about it, even when it opened. So mm -hmm. I never ended up seeing it until we watched it for this. Yeah. I think show. there was production issues with the distribution. Yeah. So I lived in Europe at the time. I watched it on Netflix. Oh, really? When it came out. <clears throat> yeah. And I did really enjoy it, but it didn't stick with me too much. Sure. And this time I think I enjoyed it a lot, a lot more. Nice. It is just, just visually captures you. Uh-huh. And it, it is just so gorgeous to look at, even if you're not listening to anything they're saying, which I have seen criticism for the dialogue. So yeah, I think Jennifer, I there's a lot to like here. I think Jennifer Jason Lee's character can really is easy to poke at and be like, well, she's mm -hmm. she's kind of a limp noodle throughout the whole thing. Or her personality is anywhere between a one and a two on the energy level, you know, throughout the whole movie. Yeah. But I think that's kind of by design. And she's almost like a jaded, jaded character that's already, she's already past that point in her life. She's facing a death, impending doom through what you're led right. to believe is a cancer. And then also the mental toll of sending countless people into the shimmer to never return. So. I didn't really like her character at first either. I've come to appreciate it a little bit more, but I still feel like that's probably the weak link of the group. As much of a, mm. a great actress as I like as JJ, uh, JJ is, <laughs> JJL. Actually, for me, I think Tessa Thompson was like the worst. Mm -hmm. I just really didn't like her acting in this. Mm -hmm. And I like love her in like her new project passing. Like that's a really, really good one. But in this, she kind of drew away from the character in my opinion. Hmm. she's very flat i don't know if anyone else experienced that interesting yeah i've never heard that that take on it before i can see it um i, I have a question for you what country were you in when it was released i was in portugal portugal yeah i heard yeah. i heard stories that it was um it was released on in theaters in america and on netflix worldwide the same day mm -hmm. which i thought was wild and after i looked into it a little bit um the studio essentially told them i my understanding this is just this is just a um hearsay but um i heard that alex garland would not budge on the on the ending with the yeah, cl yeah. clone alien and so the the mm -hmm. essentially the the um studio said we'll let you do it that way but your budget's cut in half which means all advertising is gone you're losing a lot of the production set so i'm curious if there would have been i feel like the the movie really could have benefited from like one really solid set piece they have the fantastic yeah. the alligator. They got the the pool scene with the worms on the inside of the stomach. There's the um, the bear, obviously the crazy bear on the inside of the house, and then the alien at the end. Those are f like some really fantastic set pieces. But I feel like it could yeah. use maybe one more, and maybe that was a detriment to the the budget being cut. So I mean, it's hard to say, well, but yeah, I love I like it as is. For it to be that ending. It would have to cut the budget because the production 
or like part of the production crew got really scared about it from what i can tell oh really because they did they did screenings they didn't get scared physically they got scared of the reaction yeah of, of the Finan- people the financial did, yeah success. and they said you need to make a better ending and he wouldn't which honestly it's it's a perfect ending yeah i agree i i don't think that he could have ended it a better way to mm-hmm. be honest um, it's so iconic i mean that's what i remember the most from the movie which part of the ending do you recall the most well, uh, uh, i'm talking about like the mimic right the mimic yeah yeah that that leads up to you know we're not sure if it's her if it's part her or if she got assimilated a little yeah that part's cool too but you know the mimic is really really cool looking yeah it's it's one of those it's one of those endings where you're like how did how did anybody let them do that in a right. in a world of movies that like holds your hand throughout the entire storytelling process, you get to the end yeah. and you're like, "What is what the hell is this? <laughs> what is this dancing shimmer yeah. shimmer creature, oil slick mimic?" You know, and um, it's there's moments of that that are a little terrifying, and there's there's definitely the moment underneath the lighthouse in that weird um, cave that Jennifer Jason Lee is experiencing her um, her annihilation. Which is mm-hmm. second of all, the other reason why I love this movie is I have a <laughs> I have a soft spot for movies that say the name of the movie in the movie, and this right. is by far <laughs> the best version of that. She's got this whole soliloquy yeah. leading up to it. She's in the in the alien dungeon cave below, below the lighthouse, and she says her little thing about how um, your your being will be split apart until all its remaining pieces are no longer you know relevant or whatever. And then she just says, big pause, annihilation. Wow, yeah, wow, 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 wow. And, yeah. and then she's peeled apart and you're like, yes. So good. Yeah, so good. Really good. Those I, final 15 minutes are so good and so scary too. Yeah, <laughs> I'd say there's like, this was surprisingly scary to me because, you know, I knew that it was kind of a thriller, psychological kind of horror film. Yeah. But there are moments in this film that like I genuinely felt scared for a minute especially like the first ever true i guess kind of it's kind of a jump scare where um tessa thompson's character gets yanked by the Hmm. alligator like that made me have heart palpitations that's that's not the type of scare that really works for me i thought when like the bear was whispering in cass's voice yeah i thought that was super creepy like that would have been it for me i'd be done there (laughs) yeah i couldn't die of fright instantly yeah yes yeah that uh that set piece is fantastic um we did a story on our show about how that that bear animatronic was for sale was that going on auction and at the the (laughs) same website was also auctioning off the lighthouse from the lighthouse the actual lantern and it was like it was like wow it's only fifteen thousand dollars that seems i mean it's it's expensive but it seems a little low for that and then you look at it and it's a 14 foot tall nine foot across glass orb that you're like what am i gonna i mean even if you wanted to buy it what are you gonna do with it yeah what are you gonna do yeah just a lighthouse yeah once you have it it's just a lighthouse oh what's that in the backyard is that some sort of weird gazebo you have oh no it's yeah it's a lighthouse you wouldn't know. From this movie. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, that that bear set piece is um, genuinely haunting. Thinking about it, yeah, it's very scary, especially like if you're thinking just, about just those... whispering help in someone else's voice. That was crazy. Uh, yeah. Ugh. Are you uh, are you the type of couple that listens to the uh, movie loud? Do you have the volume up? Mm. Me more than her, I guess. We yeah. we try to do subtitles okay. for mostly everything as sure. well. 
just not miss on anything. You're sp- you're speaking my language. That's basically my household yeah. is 100 subtitled. <laughs> and if it, if I had my druthers, I would have the volume all the way up, bass knob mm-hmm. turned up a little bit higher than you probably should have it, and uh, just kind of bask in that horrifying groan of the human bear hybrid creature. Uh, yeah, I. Yeah, the sound in this movie is like impeccable, not only in its like sound effects, like especially with the bear mm-hmm. with Cass's voice, but also just the score I thought was. Oh, the mimics, the mimics sound. Yeah, the oh, incredible. Yeah. It was incredible. Just so deep. Anytime they were walking through the forest, it, it felt very like exploratory and like new. And then especially the ending with the mimic mm-hmm. that just kind of. I don't even know what those sounds was coming out of yeah. that has to be electronic oh the like, the like wah, wah, yeah those ones yeah they sounded like they, they came from so deep inside of the the thing mm-hmm. i don't know how to describe it it was crazy it is in that um the um the music the music crew from that is uh, jeff barrows and um ben salisbury who also partnered with garland mm-hmm. for ex machina he also did devs and um Ben Salisbury, I'm pretty sure, also did the music for um, Mr. Robot. If I'm, if I'm, I'm, I may be talking out my ass, but um, the uh, Ben Salisbury also did an alternate soundtrack for Dread that wasn't used, but then ultimately released it on um, Spotify. It's called Drock, D R O K K, and uh, it's a really solid album if you're into listening to like industrial grunge like driving industrial grunge music it's pretty interesting <laughs> but that the sound is a, it's a really big part of this movie that makes it work in a big way so i agree i think everything makes it work though the yeah. sound with the visuals with the the story that they're trying to tell which is very reminiscing of like tarkovsky's talker even mm-hmm. though garland says it is not interesting i don't i don't know it, i'm not familiar with that title it is a russian film from the 70s that you know, three people go into this area that's kind of devoid of life. Yeah. And you're not allowed there because the area affects people hmm. and they don't know how it does it. Yeah. They're not sure if it's alien or if it's radiation. They mm-hmm. don't really know why this area is the way that it is. Yeah. But, but they know it changes everyone's life and yeah. some people go crazy. And that's why it's reminiscing. But wow, he was that, asked about it and he said no. That really, that really sounds like annihilation. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's not as like um, it's not action packed yeah. or horrorish. It's more of like a like a, a poetic drama. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, like an existential thinker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting. Much more like that, but yeah, I, I could I could see how that's kind of similar. Yeah, and know? also like two thousand and one, a space odyssey has been mentioned. Mm. Mm. Though you said you didn't see that at all. I didn't really see two thousand and one, but I did see. Um, uh, I could see how it would be likened to Stalker. Mm-hmm. I think that um, maybe that uh, almost the the fast travel sort of light speed light speed uh, travel in two thousand one where it's got that wild color yeah. colorful array just hitting bombarding your senses couldn't be likened to the end where the alien creature is imploding on itself before it creates the mimic that yeah. that whole bit is just you're just looking at it like someone was high when they wrote this <laughs> yeah. and then when they animated it. Um, but uh, I had a I had a question for you guys. Did you so as far as the plot goes, um, you know, Le- Lena and Kane they live together. You get these flashbacks of their life, and um, you see most of the time that they're spent together is in bed. 
there's a couple scenes of them reading books together on the couch, listening to that banger, Helplessly Hoping by Crosby, Stills, and Nash. And um, I think, I want to say it's Crosby, Stills, and Nash. I don't know, I might be wrong with that. Anyways, there's there's a scene when uh, he, when Kane finally ships off to go to his next assignment, which is ultimately entering the Shimmer. And we had a discussion last night, Brianna and I, my girlfriend, and um, he says, I do love you, Lena. And is that his moment where he's basically saying, I know that you cheated on me and I'm going off into this and I may never come back. Does he know at that moment? Is that, because that's how I interpreted it, but she didn't, she didn't agree with that. I think that he definitely knows and she knows that he knows. I Mm. think she feels guilty Mm. about that. I don't think she knows in that moment, like when he says that, but I think that is him saying that he knows and that, this is probably going to be a suicide mission because I think that they do kind of tell you that the people going into it at that point know that they're probably not going to come out. Cause I think when he goes in, I think they've been doing the expeditions for two years at that point. Yeah. He's already, so they have, yeah, they have, they have enough data saying that the likelihood of you coming out is not great. So yeah, there's. So you mentioned the flashbacks, mm-hmm. and I guess I'll step into that because that's probably my least favorite part. Sure. I think pacing wise, it'd be so much more just interesting if it was just the zone that they're in, the shimmer. I think just focusing on that could be better. Maybe not. I don't. I, I well, mean, I think it would. It, I think it would push the story better forward in like an action sort of sense, or like focusing mm-hmm. on the strange things that are happening in the A story. The B story definitely is all these side characters, um, mm-hmm. Lena being one of them. I mean, she's the main character, but her B story is that she's unfaithful to Kane. She's cheating with her colleague. And there's another flashback when she's actually like sleeping with her colleague. And afterwards yeah. she says, or he, he essentially tells her, you know, why are you so guilty about this? He doesn't love you. You, we, we have a lot in common. Leave my wife out of this, blah, blah, blah. And um, he asked, you think that Kane knows? And she says, yes. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if that's after Kane shipped off and she's just really is a scumbag and she's sleeping with this guy after her husband is shipped off to some unknown mission that she doesn't even know where he's going. Or this is before and she definitely knows. Kane mm-hmm. definitely knows. They both know, but they won't say it. So her B story is that she is, she's beating herself up because number one, Kane's gone. Kane disappeared. He's he's been gone for a year. She's written it off. She's painting over the walls, moving on with her life. And um I think that ultimately her going into the shimmer is almost like her penance. It's almost like her punishment for doing what she did. Mm-hmm. And yeah, every, yeah, I agree with that. yeah and, and every person that's in that in that uh, mission too. Ventress is Jennifer Jason Lee. She's she's um almost paying for all the death that she caused by sending everybody in. And also she just has a morbid curiosity to learn what it is. And she doesn't care if she dies because she's going to be dying soon anyways. And every single person in that team has this story of death. Um, Shepard, who's the one that gets ripped apart by the bear at the be- uh, first. Mm-hmm. She had a daughter die and she said the same. She said very clearly right to the camera, like exposition wise, you know, it's like two deaths. It's the death of my daughter and the death of someone who I once was. And she's no longer the happy-go-lucky person she was before when she had this sweet daughter. 
and she's gone into the shimmer knowing that most likely she probably won't come back and that's fine with her. So I feel like that whole, the whole subplot of the movie, yeah, it's about this thing and yeah, it's about the shimmer and this alien and all this stuff, but it's really about a really, sadly, it's about a really bad breakup. And when you go into a relationship, you merge two people into one, which is the song, Helplessly Hoping. We're one alone, we're two together, we're three apart, we're four each other. That's the that's the the chorus. And they become you become one when you go into a relationship and you become a very different person. Not a bad thing, but you become a different person. And then once it's ripped apart because of infidelity or what life or whatever it is, you become you have to you're a, the same person you were before, but you're a whole nother person. It's like you have three yeah. versions of yourself, the people the, the self before the relationship the self in the relationship and the self after. And when they both come out of the shimmer and you're not sure who they are and they don't know who they are, that's just like coming out of a really bad breakup and you're like starting your mm-hmm. life over and you're like, who the, who the hell am I? You know, yeah. it's very relatable in that. And I've, I've been through it a number of times in my life. I was married at 18, divorced by 24. And it's almost like I look back at that now and I'm like, shit, I was a different person. I barely even remember yeah. that time in my life. I'm 35 now and it, yeah, it was only 11 years ago when the divorce happened, but I I feel like that was a lifetime ago. So it feels really relatable in that sense for the B story. So I, mm-hmm. I like I like the flashbacks in that sense, but I, I agree. It it deviates and pulls away from that like momentum that you get. Yeah. So I, I'm, I, I feel you. Yeah, I don't, even, like... I don't even disagree that the, the story that's being told is good. I just don't like the flashbacks themselves sure not not the existence of what happened Hmm. yeah i think that it's it's really hard to write in exposition to a story that doesn't feel clunky yeah that's true true. one one of my favorite one of my favorite exposition plots is um number two is paul verhoeven every paul verhoeven movie that has a news story built in it's just like (laughs) citizen kane but you got robocop and starship troopers where they just do this news flash and it's like oh that's cool you get a little bit of slice of life from the world that the movie's set in, and also you get this exposition dump, which is cool. Uh, but the the best one is the Austin Power series. They have a character <laughs> named Basil Exposition, and he he gets the call from Basil, and you get this whole exposition dump, and Austin Powers is just going, yes, 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 okay, Basil, yes, 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 give us all the information, and then the story goes on. It's so funny, but yeah, it's, I, I excuse bad exposition from time to time. Yeah, because it, it is it is hard to. Yeah, I wouldn't call it bad. <laughs> it's not so bad. It's 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 just yeah. you're right. It it throws a wrench in the momentum. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say that uh, some the when we were talking about how they're kind of punishing themselves by going into the shimmer, mm-hmm. I really liked one of the lines where it's uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's character um, talking about how it's more along the lines of self-destruction not suicide not suicide yeah where they're not trying to kill themselves but they are essentially ruining their lives by going in here because of a bad thing that they did in their past with you know lena it's because she cheated on her husband and an otherwise at least otherwise that we know good marriage yeah um you have tessa thompson's character that She's a health self harm. Yeah. 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 She's got just a and deep, she's punishing deep depression herself for that. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, every other character also is kind of 
self-punishing and yeah self-destruction is the main theme of the and i like how they um play into it's it's kind of coded into our ourselves as like a species or as like a even even like plants and other animals they all have like a self-destruction for your cells and it's only cancer cells that grow you know without without stopping yeah Mm -hmm. so it was it was kind of interesting it, to see the, on the a, parallels. Yeah, absolutely. And on, on a biological level too, it's you're it's very true. I mean, look at any animal including humans. There is a moment in your life when your life is less important than whatever it is for most for most biological creatures, humans included. It's their children. You know, you yeah. you get to the point in, in an animal kingdom and you literally will like sacrifice yourself for your progeny. And in, yeah. in the in the human world, it's the same thing. It's like you spend eighteen years of your life nurturing this thing that may or may not turn into an asshole one day, but hopefully they're going to be a good representation of your of your bloodline, and you're going to give every, literally everything you got in the blind hope that it's going to be move on the the species or move on your family name or whatever. And um, so, I mean, there is a track record of self destruction in the world. In this, I mean, I don't know if you have the opportunity to meet a new life form face to face, do you allow, do you allow the self-destruction to be factored into it? Like the people who want to explore Mars and it's a one-way ticket. Is that something that your soul is able to disconnect and say, yeah, I know this is going to destroy myself, but Mars baby, you know, (laughs) I still wouldn't do but <laughs> not me neither. No, I like air conditioning. I might too much. go into the shimmer. The, the, the plants are pretty. I don't know if Mars has plants that pretty. Mars has Mars looks like Arizona, so no. <laughs> and not and I'm not talking Sedona. I'm talking about Glendale. <laughs> yeah, but I really like the parallel between like because we were talking about how if if you thought um, this was like an allegory for. For cancer, for cancer, yeah. just like in itself. Well, I don't think it's an allegory in a sense that it's trying to teach you something. Mm-hmm. I think it's more just it is using the cancer. I don't know the way it functions and mm. putting it in a movie mm. about people going into an alien zone. Yeah, that's gr- slowly growing and slowly killing everything in it. Mm-hmm. and transforming everything in it to something that it shouldn't be mm. that's that's the correlation to cancer i would think and also you have zero control over it you're in the shimmer yeah. it's gonna happen once cancer yeah. starts i mean there's very little you can do to slow that i mean historically fast forward 100 or rewind 100 years in the past and there's literally right. nothing you can do it's yeah, go- exactly. but i also don't think it's a story about cancer bad we know cancer is bad. Yeah. We're just exploiting this story using cancer as just a method of showing mm. the growth. Sure. Yeah. Cause this alien species or this whatever entity it is, yeah. is taking parts of all of the cells that it finds and incorporating it into, to make something new. Yeah. It's like messing up the genetic code. Yeah. I mentioned it's like a prism. Mm-hmm. that uh, reflects itself i yeah. don't know Re- reflects science. every everything in its uh in its purview yes. yeah i do like i do like that bit where um 
um, Lena talks about the bruise on her arm. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, I must have got hit by that crocodile or whatever. And you realize that that's the, that's the tattoo taking form that they all end up having at the end of the movie. At the beginning of the movie, yeah. you see her in the <laughs> isolation room and she's got the tattoo. And then the movie flashes forward and she doesn't have the tattoo. So you kind of think, oh, maybe she went through some shit and now she's here with the thing. But it, she just absorbed it. And it's yeah, it's really neat. I like, I like that idea. And um, it just makes that idea of that bear human creature capturing the fear and the final moments of the of uh, shepherd just that much more terrifying it's like but you mentioned her absorbing the tattoo and i think that really relates to the ending where people don't know if it's her if it's the mimic if it's a mixture of both yeah i think she is absorbing part of the shimmer into herself it's still her but she's very modified now absolutely mm-hmm. yeah i agree with that yeah. i it's on, on first watch, that's the first thing you think of is, oh, is she an alien or is she real? And it's like, that's, right. yes, both. It, yeah. It's everything. It's all of it. You know, you you lose that distinction at some point, which mm-hmm. which can feel like, just like we said before, I feel like, I feel like I'm the same person I was 10 years ago and I'm also a completely different person. Whether that's family trauma, life trauma, or just growing up over time, it's like you're you're not the same person at some point. And when you go through an experience like that, whether it's a real world existential alien drama, horror or what, or something else, no matter what it's, it's like life will change you to a different version of yourself that you've never seen before. So in that sense, the movie is super relatable. And yeah, I, and I think that, go sorry, ahead. go ahead. I keep cutting you off. No, it's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just saying that like, I think that they all are experiencing the change at different times too because i th- i think when i was watching it i noticed that um uh gina rodriguez's character had the tattoo when she was freaking out she was questioning if any if they were all lying to her if mm-hmm. they were going to kill her yeah. if she needed to kill them when she loses it yeah, yeah she already had the tattoo but i don't think um lena's had fully formed yet yeah. from my understanding and then after all that happens tessa's character has the tattoo and this is when she's accepting that she just wants she doesn't want to go out scared sure. and afraid she just wants to go peacefully and just let the shimmer mm-hmm. take her mm-hmm. so they're they're all coming up with kind of different or they're they're experiencing this incorporation in different ways just like how you would experience these types of mind-boggling life changes in different ways like different people are going to experience it differently right. that's interesting yeah i never i never thought about it in terms of that I always kind of thought of it as well. This character makes sense for uh, Tessa Thompson because she's she's a cutter. So maybe maybe her slip into blink, becoming a flower person is closer to a suicide than the other people. And mm. and I, I I kind of thought of it like that. But you're right. I think that each personality would experience trauma in a different way and cope with it mm. in a different way. So that's oh, that's interesting. That's great. I like that. I think that's what gives these like side characters any validity to being in this movie because besides their deaths and their freakouts they're kind of just throwaway and we know they're gonna die yeah because you know that's how the sort the story starts so we don't have any doubt that we gotta accept their deaths and i don't really feel bad for any of them i don't know if i'm supposed to i I didn't you're not alone (laughs) (laughs) everybody just was there for whatever was gonna happen and it happened Yeah. yeah I think if anything, I was probably felt bad for Kane the most 
Mm. And, and, I don't, and I don't really have a reason why. Maybe it's just because he's the he's get taking the brunt of the infidelity, and he's mm. and it's almost like, bro, can't, Oscar Isaac, you don't deserve that. Move on. <laughs> you just break up with her. Move on. You don't have to go into the shimmer. Yeah, it's okay, man. Don't don't kill yourself over I, it. I know. It's not worth it. But his that that um scene was just a great mind bend. Um, which is funny because now we have Moon Knight. Have you guys been watching Moon Knight? No. no. Okay. It's okay. It's okay. Um <laughs> I'm I'm not like a big huge Marvel fan and I, I I don't think I've seen like the last 7 Marvel movies. Um but I'm an Oscar Isaac fan, so we watched mm. The Moon Knight and there's some crossover between Mr. Robot um with the whole DID thing. Um but there's basically he's a split personality type of superhero, so there's a lot of shots where he's on screen with himself in two different characters and it's so funny watching rewatching it again after finishing the, the <laughs> moon knight series we're like hey look there's kane and other kane and yeah, yeah. in in the uh, thermite grenade or whatever and uh that but that whole scene with the camcorder ooh, that gives me the chills every time yeah i think every scene with the like found footage style camcorder those are all scary <sighs> yeah yeah they're it's, all very unsettling especially like the the intestines which are not the intestines because Ooh. there's something that's moving yeah that was really creepy and it's the found footage style helps it even though it's a little okay the way that they're pointing the flashlight but besides that sure i do i do enjoy all the camcorder segments i guess yeah do you fun. and i do do you think that that was practical do you think that was cgi with the snake worm things we had a debate last night about this with the budget they had it might have had to be impractical I th- I th- the budget wasn't that big to me it felt practical like I looked at it and I'm like this is that feels just like some weird I don't know meat, the way you meat put his tubes. hand inside yeah yeah, yeah. I, yeah it was probably practical yeah. I looked all over the place to try to find a behind the scenes of making that scene and I couldn't find anything so um it's really hard to say but that felt real the practical or the CGI stuff felt like um the, the mimic was definitely CGI all the weird crystals trees on the beach were definitely CGI yeah. Yeah. Um and then the um the two identical deer with the flower horns or the flower um antlers. Mm-hmm. Those were definitely CGI, but everything else Those look CGI too. Yeah, yeah. And that the, the medium rate budget showed there, but um mm-hmm. even that just that little world, all the little flourishes of the colorful fungi and the and the the shimmery yeah. uh, all the reflections had a shimmer to it, like an oil slick look to it. It was a, a really great attention to detail. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, the shimmer building was really great. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- there was no point where the background looked boring. Yeah. yeah it was always true. interesting. I was looking for stuff in it, which gives this more life, right? Because you can mm-hmm. watch it again and find new things in the background. Mm-hmm. The way that the plants grow different out of the same, or the flowers grow different out of the same plant. Yeah. There's a lot of cool elements, but th- they don't feel overwhelmingly cool. Mm-hmm. Where you're just like, wow, that's cool. Yeah, I forget about the story. It's subtle enough to where it's not overwhelming. It's not like the Super Mario movie, Super Mario Brothers movie, where it's just mm-hmm. knocks you over the head with so much weird stuff. It's just like, yeah. ooh, that's that's like just like what I know, but a little different. And mm-hmm. um, you know, that's just got a little bit of a rainbow slick to it, or that thing is morphed in a weird way, or that the crocodile, it doesn't really look like that much different than a normal crocodile until it opens its mouth. Yeah, the color scheme is different. It's like a diseased albino crocodile until it opens its mouth and you see the rows of teeth in the inside. You're like, "Ooh, what's that?" And it's also the slow buildup of weird things that are just slightly off that make you believe everything in the ending. 
because you see a whole alien forming into being Natalie Portman and you don't question it because you saw the slow buildup of everything that was changing itself. Yeah. And you just accept that everything there has changed. Yeah. The, the world, the world building I feel like is one of, it's one of Alex Garland, Garland's strong suits. And uh, it's funny. This is a men is on his way next yeah. not this weekend but next weekend is when men releases and that's alex garland's new release so yeah, very excited yeah we're we're gonna do a special episode just for that movie because we're all big fans of alex garland on the show and um we're gonna go see it in theaters all three of us do a same day release it's a we call it a field trip episode where we all go to the <laughs> theaters do a field trip and, and do a report on on what the movie is and if it's worth your time or not so Really excited. I'm I'm interested because it doesn't seem like there's any supernatural components to men. Right. But we'll see. I haven't looked too deeply into it, but I have seen it and it's getting the same amount of praise that all of his stuff usually does. Oh really? With, like with film critics and people that are into movies. I do understand that there's movies with just people that just stumble into that movie because it's in theaters. Sure. They might kind of hate it, but that's true. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Ex Machina I think if we, if, is if is, you went into Annihilation, and yeah. you just watch Annihilation, thinking it's a horror sci-fi, you're gonna hate it. Yeah, I think you're, it's a, probably a coin flip whether you're gonna enjoy it or not. And it's yeah, maybe. it's it's you you're taking a big risk. I mean, I, I I still haven't seen a trailer for Annihilation. I haven't seen a trailer for Men. I, I'm I'm not. I just t- kind of stay away. Um, I've been too many times. I've been bit by the hype train where I'm like, oh yeah demonic neil blomkamp coming to theaters can't wait and then i watch it and i'm like okay i don't know i like chappy better i think from what i remember because i watched this trailer back when this came out i guess or you know a few months before it came out and i think it really did play into it being more of a horror movie which i mean it is kind of but it's not it's a very scary horror movie i would say yeah yeah but it's not like over the top scary that's going to make you it's not jump scary it's not a slasher it's not ultra gory no but but you're right this the bear is one of the most terrifying things i've ever seen and the sounds are just so scary (laughs) yeah there's a there's like a a kind of a ongoing uh I don't know if it's a, a joke, but the reality is that I would most audiences can accept a movie with subpar visuals if the audio is good. The other mm-hmm. way doesn't work. If the audio is bad and the visuals are great, pe- most yeah. people are like, "This is terrible." Um, and um, with <laughs> with that bear scene, whew, ooh, the sounds, <laughs> ooh, the sounds are so creepy. So, and yeah. the ending too. The, the those the, the bear scene and the ending scene with the mimic really got to me. And those both play heavily with sound. Yeah. So it, it makes sense. Yeah. Sound is very important. I don't think people realize that. It it really is. It's it's way more important than like the casual viewer will give it credit for. If you've ever produced anything, it's gosh, it's so important. And um, last night when we were rewatching this, the scene with the intestines and the worms or whatever it is. Um, you have that kind of ethereal chorus of voices like on a low humming singing song sort of thing that's just really eerie almost like the witch robert eggers the witch mm-hmm. has that like chorus of uh, voices and on t- underneath that is that low rumble that just makes you feel that something dreadful is happening and the second they close the laptop and or i guess it's a laptop or is it a camcorder 
the camcorder they're watching. It's a laptop, the first one. Yeah, I think the the laptop is first, the camcorder is second, but they 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 close it, and you don't even realize how intense that that sound is until the laptop closes, and you're left with a a completely silent living room or theater that you're watching it in. And it's a yeah, it's weird. I mean, I have a pretty loud uh, subwoofer in my sound system, so the couch was like rumbling. I didn't even realize it until it stops, and I'm like, "Ooh, I can feel my body stopped." <laughs> I'm pretty sure even our cat got scared by some of the noises. Yeah. <laughs> the cat was looking around when there's the the rumbling of the mimic. Yeah, God, that's such a great scene. Such a great scene. I mean, the whole yeah. movie. It's if 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 our li- your listeners are hearing this and they haven't been sold already, because I feel like we made point after point after point, a prescient point yeah. to to figure out this is this is the movie to go watch. And um, if they haven't figured that out already, um, how many new directors do you know that are making legitimately quality stuff time after time? Because you can have a a one-hit wonder, and then you can have Mm -hmm. someone like Robert Eggers or Alex Garland who's doing project after project after project that's just A+, A+, A+. Very, very quality stuff. And it's not going to hit for everybody, but it's hard to deny that Annihilation is a a layered scary movie that that doesn't really stick to one genre um kind of like um i don't know how you feel about the lighthouse i i love the lighthouse it's one of my favorite movies the last yeah. 10 years but that's a movie that bends so many genres but you watch it and you're like that's something somebody has a vision and they executed it mm-hmm. and it was it was fantastic um i feel like Ari Aster is in that category. Alex Garland, yes. Robert Eggers, um, even like Julia Ducarneau, who did Raw and yeah. um, Titan. Yeah. There's some good. There's some great filmmakers yeah. now that are making some stuff that just like make my head spin. And uh, yeah. Annihilation is not the ground floor of that, but pretty close to that. I mean, Ex Machina and then Annihilation. Right. We watched The Northman. Ooh. And I, I, as soon as I left, I was just telling her how much I feel like Robert Eggers gets better every time. Yeah. Maybe the movie's not better, but as a director, he's definitely better. He's definitely growing, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that I think The Northman hit um, probably middling for me as far as his, his uh, catalog. I think it goes The Witch, then The Northman, and then The Lighthouse. And asked me a few years ago i'd say the witch was on the top of the category i rewatched it after mm-hmm. i saw the lighthouse or i'm sorry after i saw the northman and it is very good but the um the growth really shows and that's that, that gosh yeah. the northman so what an entertaining weird movie <laughs> i thought it was yeah. so entertaining and i read reviews people said they were bored and i just got upset yeah it's kind of like how, even if you don't like it how did you not at sure. least find it entertaining like yeah. and it, I, I, I would say it's my new favorite robert eagers i do think he's getting nice. better and it's very obvious that's great and he makes great usage of his budget mm-hmm. and that really shows and i'm very excited for him for ari aster i consider him my friend even though i only Ask him a question at a streaming once, but I will keep mentioning that. Oh, really? <laughs> Hell yeah! Yeah, better I was than in me. The same theater when we watched uh, Midsummer. So you he, right in front of me. You were in hit the theater watching Midsummer while Ari Aster was in the theater with you. Yeah, yeah, it was a, a movie festival. Oh my yeah. god, I am so it jealous. Was great. <laughs> I know. I will keep mentioning it. Can I can I tell you a story about Ari Aster? Yeah, it's not about him, but about um, Hereditary. <laughs> so. 
uh, the love of my life, Brianna, she's my girlfriend. She, we've been together five years and, um, she is, she's a champ. She watches all of these movies with me, weird, obscure, whatever. And, um, she has a thing about, uh, decapitation. She does not like it. It is one of those triggers that mm. just gets under her skin. She can't handle it. And, um, not knowing anything about hereditary, we went and saw it in theaters <laughs> with, mm. with, uh, my, one of my co-hosts, uh, Joseph and his wife. And uh, we we drove there in two separate cars. Me and Brianna, Joseph and Deanna, went to go see Hereditary after the decapitation scene, and then the close up on the head with the ants crawling all over it, and the mom grieving, mm. Tony Collette grieving. She just leaned over to me and goes, "I'll see you at home. I gotta go." And she <laughs> she left the theater, never finished the movie. <laughs> and that, I, that's close to the beginning too. Yeah, it's pretty early on. So I told jo- I leaned over to Joseph and said, "I gotta get a ride home with you." <laughs> <laughs> uh, i don't think we've ever had any experience like that but the the scene in the northman when he puts the sword through the guy's face really like slowly i had to turn my head I as we were really watching cool. it. Ooh, it was rough. you could have done it you could have done it fast and yeah. no one yeah. would have questioned it but he did it so slow and i just thought yes. it was so great yeah i had to i had to like look away for a second that was my like cringe factor i think we watched angst for my birthday which ah. is a Austrian serial killer movie and hmm. it's very harsh. I don't know that one. It's, and you you hated it. I, was, I loved it. I love it. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. That's why I watched it on my birthday, even though it's super depressing. It's super depressing and it's just makes you feel awful. And it, it does. It made me feel awful. I had to go lay down <laughs> for a little while because it was so like I mean what, what is a relationship if you don't subject your partner to trauma every now and then? Right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it just makes you stronger. Okay, so Angst, is this in nineteen eighty three? Yes. Okay, so it's streaming on 2B, Canopy, and Shutter. I'm adding it to my watch list now. I will report back <laughs> when good. I watch it. <laughs> I watch yeah. I watch earlier in the year. I watch I I did a depressed fest. I called it the depressed fest. I watched um Martyrs irreversible and um gosh what was the other one i think it was called um and it was some, some french movie about a home invasion at a, in a farmhouse it wasn't nearly as good oh it's uh funny games uh, no i love funny games funny games is great okay. brianna hates Did funny I... games uh <laughs> it was uh gosh what was it called funny games is not french it's austrian or german it's or Ger- it's german or austrian yeah and then they remade mm-hmm. it the the english version is actually really good um yeah, with the same director. Yeah, exactly. Ba- Michael Haneke yeah. basically just remade it. I- I'm not a big fan of American remakes of foreign movies because usually they don't get the mm-hmm. tone right. Like Old Boy, burn burn every copy of the American Old Boy to the ground. I love Josh Josh Brolin's great Spike Lee. That's great. That was not a Spike Lee movie. That was uh, a, you just they just needed a name. Sure, <laughs> I just <laughs> no one needs to see that. Watch mm-hmm. watch the original. Please, never, ever, ever. It's sacrilege. But the American Funny Games, uh, Naomi Watts is a revelation. She's so good. Mm-hmm. Michael Pate's so good. Um, but um, gosh, what was it? I can't remember now, but Mar- Martyrs and Irreversible, that's enough in one day. And I watched a third really depressing yeah. one. So I will watch Angst for you. Thank you. <laughs> Your favorite movie of all time? Favorite. No, it's not. It's okay. Not. It's just, it's just, just an, one of his. In the top. Yeah. And in, the one he watches on his birthday. So. Yeah. I hate myself. Yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you, what's what's your what's your favorite um, movie that you watched on your birthday then? Ooh. Well, we watched Repo Man yeah. on my birthday this past year, which is a uh, the uh, Jude Law Alex one. Alex Cox. 
No, it's Alex Cox. He directs it and it has um, Emilio Estevez starring in it and Harry Dean Stat- Staten. Staten. Mm-hmm. Um, Repo Man. Yeah, mm-hmm. Repo Man. It's Two a very, words. it's kind of like a college, uh, like, I guess he oh. might have, it was like his college project, I guess. 1984. Um, yeah, that, that sounds right. Okay. Um, Harry Dean Stanton, Tracy Walter, Emilio Estevez. Yeah. Uh, directed by Alex Cox. Okay, yeah. Interesting. All right. And then I'm going to, for that, I'm also going to add that to the list. <laughs> it's not <laughs> crazy. I, I wouldn't say it's crazy good. It's just very nostalgic for me because I did a, uh, a remake a remake yeah. of it when I was in high school. Oh, you like, did? An actual like 30 minute long remake of it. That's awesome. And uh, so I had to watch it a lot. So it's kind of a nostalgic. <laughs> like I love it, but not everybody loves it because it's not. Have you talked about it's that? Great. Have you talked about it on the show in past episodes before? I haven't talked about it on this one. I we haven't made an episode about it. You've mentioned it. Yeah, I've mentioned it before. I was gonna say because I feel been, I feel like you've mentioned that on the show before. We've yeah. been on your next favorite movie. Yeah, your okay. next favorite movie. Maybe and maybe she did Repo Man. Maybe that's. Oh, you know what? I think that is. I think that's. I watched the. I listened to that episode on it. So shout out to Josh. What's up, Josh G? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went I, on that one and talked I about that. I did Man Bites Dog with Josh, so that is his shout out him movie. again. Man, yeah, that is my favorite movie. Man Bites Dog, <laughs> interesting. Mm-hmm. So I think if yeah. I had if I had to pick my favorite movie, I'd be a toss up between Whiplash and There Will Be Blood. Both, uh, both a little. On the depressing. website, it does say There Will Be Blood. Yeah, they haven't updated the website since last year. It's I f- <laughs> I feel like I feel like at some point you have to just stop saying. That's my favorite movie because yeah. ask ask me tomorrow it might be a different answer but God man, mine has never changed honestly oh really <laughs> it's been the same movie for oh, me it's fine. always changing because I have different moods but I just love Man by Solid that's it yeah. that's the one gosh okay so I if I others. so if I'm I'm uh, okay it's uh what's today Wednesday okay I'm yeah I'm gonna watch a movie tonight Wednesday night do I watch Man Bikes Dog or do I watch Angst Keep in mind I have my girlfriend by my side. Neither. Okay. They're both really hard to watch. I would say, like as a, as a group. Ooh, Mamey's Dog both... is streaming on HBO Max. Hey, it's yeah. on my watch list. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know who recommended this to me before, but it's been on my watch list for who knows how. Long. I have like 500 movies on my watch list. Yeah, same. It's an issue. I know it's a problem. It just, it just grows and goes nowhere. At, at one point, I'm just gonna have to stop listening to movie podcasts because that's that's the main reason why it keeps growing so long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Annihilation, right? Am yes, I right? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. That's a good, good tangent. That's a good, that's a good tangent. Okay, yeah, we're, we're right. going to give it our ratings because okay. we do that. You don't have to. Sure. You, you, you go first, I'll follow. I gave it an 8 out of 10. I thought it was really good, really beautiful. But as someone that's seen Stalker, and that's always a comparison that I'm going to make in my mind, I love Stalker so much that... Mm-hmm. It, this just doesn't reach that because it doesn't focus as much and on the zone itself. Okay. But yeah, it's really nice and it's it's a really good rewatch too. Yeah. It gets better with time. I agree. I give it a seven out of ten. I think it's really good rewatchability. It's a really compelling story. Sometimes I feel like maybe the the acting it falls a little flat sometimes, and there might be some scenes that are a little hokey for me. But overall, I really think it's it's beautiful. It's beautifully shot. Sounds it's great. scary. It sounds great, yeah. and just it's very scary. I think that's that's something that's underrated about it. Yeah, 
Yeah, you you almost might be able to categorize this as a horror movie first, as sci-fi second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, I'll go with I go nine out of ten. This is uh, nice. one of one of my top movies. I mean, I'm I'm tempted to I'm tempted to five star this thing because it's so it's so good. But there are there are a couple things that you can uh, you know take away from it. And if I were to pick a, a weak point of Garland, it would be that. He lets his, it's almost like Yorgos Lanthimos, where he lets his characters just be really flat through a lot of the yeah. movie. And but it works for Lanthimos. Sure, sure. I mean, that's that's the comedy in his movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As soon as as soon as the favorite came out, and it was a, to- I felt like he was a completely different director. But, um, mm. but everything else before that, you're like, wow, okay, well, guys, okay, no emotion. <laughs> Never seen Colin Farrell so emotionless twice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if you ever watch, if you ever go down that road and watch devs, it's a really high concept movie about, um, string theory. So it's, it's, Mm. it's really weird. And it's Nick Offerman, Offerman is doing some really cool stuff in it. But most of that movie I was, or the TV series I'm, I'm sitting and watching it like, Jeff, where's the emotion? There's no emotion in the whole thing until you get to (laughs) the final reveal. And it's like five episodes in and you're like, okay, I, it was still worth the watch, I think, ultimately for the concept of it. But um, yeah, I, th- I hope that I hope that with men we get some really strong performances from the leads. So, Devs is definitely on the Hulu watch list, and, and Men is going to be most likely watched in theaters. So, hell very, yeah, very excited for its future. Cool. No, yeah. Thank you for uh, thanks for talking annihilation with me. Uh, anytime I can flap my gums great. about this movie, I'll do it. Yes, thank you for joining us. Yeah. I think this was a great conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, um, everybody who's listening, if you're already listening from your the normal Walk the Cinema listeners, you're going to listen next week. If you're coming over from our feed to listen to me talk about this movie, which we've covered <laughs> on our show, go to their, your search bar, go to your podcast subscriber service that you're looking at, click the plus sign, subscribe to the, uh, the podcast. It's a great show. Right. Uh, thank you for being here. And I guess that's all. Mm-hmm. And we'll see you guys next week. Absolutely. I'll see you on the Twitter sphere.